Attention shoppers, there are a wide variety of Crossrip items available in the gift shop. Sweatshirts, smartphone covers, an exclusive t-shirt designed by Dapper Dan Shonen of IDW Comics fame, and more on the way. All proceeds go towards our servers, so this remains the only ad you hear on the show. Go to GhostbustersHQ.net slash shop to get yours today. I like that shirt, friend. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip Podcast for the week of January 27th, 2019. This week on the show, we're going to be talking about Ghostbusters Year One, Issue One. We've got a spoiler-filled discussion in the second half of the show. But up first, we've got the latest news. We've got some uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife stuff. We're going to be talking about previous versions of Ghostbusters 3, some comments from Paul Feig about the multiverse, and remembering uh, an icon of visual effects. Stay tuned. Still Playing With Toys presents The Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the key Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. Oh, we have fun. Woo! It's been a while since I've done this, but uh, hey everybody, this is Troy just cutting into the feed uh, by myself, because sure enough, true to form, as often happens on this podcast, we record on Wednesday nights and uh, gives me some time to do some post-production work on the show, get it all sounding nice and, and good uh, for you all. I, I Words escaping me this evening, very sleepy. But uh, anyway, anyway, as, as often happens, uh, Wednesday night we record, Thursday morning some breaking news happened, and uh, the show that you're about to hear does not address it whatsoever. So uh, I'm going to make you a deal. I'm going to tell you about what happened, and then uh, Chris and I are going to go in-depth, because we actually have a really good discussion about it, even though everybody's like, what? That's old news. That's Everybody knows about that. We already knew that. But no, uh, in Vanity Fair, Anthony Bresnikan, who uh, formerly used to write for... Uh, uh, Entertainment Weekly has an exclusive on-set interview with Bill Murray as he and Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson and Sigourney Weaver and Annie Potts were all on set. So this is confirmation that all of them are in the film. Uh, and this is sort of the exclusive announcement that Bill Murray, yes, is in the movie. After playing coy and uh, pretending that <laughs> none of us knew... Uh, because Dan Aykroyd would go out on, uh, you know, radio shows and be like, oh yeah, Bill and I are in it. And, but it wasn't, yeah, it, it, it was tough because it wasn't the official announcement. Well, here is the official announcement exclusively on Vanity Fair. Uh, Bill Murray is, is in the, uh, is in the film, is in Ghostbusters Afterlife coming July, 2020. Uh, the article is wonderful. Go check it out. As I said, Chris and I are going to talk about it next week. But uh, Bresnikin uh, gets his own Bill Murray story. You know, Murray uh, infamously hated how heavy the proton packs were. And uh, during in the middle of the interview with Bresnikin, uh, Bill Murray says, Hey, go get one of the heaviest packs and make Anthony here wear it. <laughs> and sure enough, all through, uh, you know, the rest of, uh, at least for one take, it seemed like. It seemed like it was a pretty lengthy amount of time. Uh, Anthony Bresnikan was a good enough sport to wear a proton pack, and Bill Murray just ribbed him the entire time. But uh, very funny. I love the fact that it seems like it was a lighthearted set. Uh, not a lot of tension based upon this article. It seems like it was true to form Bill Murray uh, doing what Bill Murray does on set. And uh, just, I mean, it's just great to finally know officially 
uh, that Bill and Dan and Ernie and Sigourney and Annie Potts are going to be in this movie. Now, the one thing that did come out of Vanity Fair is, uh, once again, another confirmation that Rick Moranis will not be returning for the film, which is uh, very unfortunate but very understandable for the longest time he has been out of the public eye and uh, retired uh, by his his own choice. So uh, I understand it's it's kind of tough to coax him out and get him to uh, to be in front of the camera again. But uh, sad, sad here. But anyway, so what I'm going to do is we're going to play the episode as it was recorded on Wednesday night. Uh, Chris and I are blissfully unaware of what's about to happen on Thursday morning, so pay no attention to that. Um, but I do have one other thing that I need to uh, cut in here and talk about because uh, we were given uh, a very great opportunity from our friends at Ghost Core. They are they're trying to clear out space. They've got a lot of stuff in their secret Raiders of the Lost Ark vault uh, where they keep all of the merchandise. And uh, so Ghost Core reached out to us and they have one of those giant, awesome, inflatable Ecto-1s that uh, Spirit, uh, uh, Spirit Halloween stores were selling uh, over the holidays. And uh, it's, it's awesome. I can't believe that they're actually uh, allowing us to give one of these away. It's a $250 retail value. Of course, no purchase is necessary in order to win this. But here's what you have to do in order to, uh, to win this. You need to go on to uh, Twitter because we're going to do this all on Twitter. Uh, and uh, in, in one tweet, you have to say, I listened to this week's At The Cross Rip, and I want my Ectomobile. And then do uh, a hashtag Ghostbusters Afterlife. And if you uh, do the at the cross rip and the hashtag Ghostbusters Afterlife correctly, that will immediately enter you. We will choose one person at random uh, to win this Ectomobile and uh, it's going to be awesome. So uh, you need to do this as you listen to this episode. It comes out on Monday. Uh, make sure that you start tweeting Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because on Thursday at the end of the day, uh, we will be choosing one winner at random. So again, you are entering to win one of the giant seven-foot Ectomobiles that's inflatable, can be on your front lawn next Halloween. And uh, all you have to do is say, I just listened to At The Cross Rip, and I want my Ectomobile, hashtag Ghostbusters Afterlife. Again, uh, no purchase necessary to win. Uh, it is a an expensive item, so our, our thanks to the Ghost Core folks for allowing us to, uh, to give this away. And uh, good luck to you. With that, I now present to you, myself and Chris, the Wednesday Before the Vanity Fair article. Here we go. This is a terrible beer. Terrible beer? Uh, it's very chocolatey. Uh, like a stout or a porter? Granville Island Lion's Winter Ale. Uh. uh bursting with complex layered notes of vanilla and white chocolate with caramel oh, yeah, caramel yeah. malt aroma uh, yeah that is. Granville Island usually shouldn't steer you wrong, but uh apparently uh, yeah. I thought I'll have a beer while I record and I'm drinking that and I'm going, No, <laughs> I will not <laughs> throw Ooh. it out. Gross. Um, yeah, all right. Well, I, I feel oh, like somewhere gross. there's somebody uh, shedding a tear for a beer disposed. <sighs> yeah, it's, you know, Pepsi, Coke, that sort of thing. Some people like <laughs> some people like their beers a bit more gravy-like. Fine. <laughs> gravy-like. 
Oh, just the brown. I'm not. I am not an ale guy. the the more The more brown it gets, the less I'm I'm into it, sort of thing. Which, sad to say, means I'm not a I'm not a big Guinness guy. So uh, I know. Interesting. Yes, but so whatevs. Well, there it is. Uh, hey, right before we started recording, I saw um, uh, GB2 Magnum on uh, on the Instagrams. I don't oh, know, did I you see, see this? Like he's been no. trying to chronicle all of the extras uh, out at 55 Central Park West. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Um, what's his name? Brute Force. Uh, yeah, Brute Force was the one that he picked up on, I guess that was yesterday, two days ago. It all blends together at this point. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm uh, curious about how he keeps finding all this well, stuff. So the best part is just just now, literally, uh, let's see. When was this posted? Two hours ago, uh, he was contacted by one of the punk rock guys, uh, Jeffrey Saltzgiver, who was one of the punk rockers that shows up in the crowd. And he's got all these photos that I've never seen before because they're obviously his personal photos from being there. It's like everybody hanging in front of the steps of the church uh, in between takes. And I guess he ended up becoming friends with the guy that played the rabbi that you see, uh, you know, uh, pretty pretty prominently featured. And um yeah, it's uh Although that's amazing because that crowd is a really good-looking crowd, but it also means that they dressed it all. <laughs> like, yeah. Who wants to be an extra? You, you look like a rabbi. Put this on. Like Yeah, well, and and he calls out that it's like uh he was one of the punk rockers, his girlfriend was uh punk rock. Um yeah, yeah, like they were all, I mean, they were real, like this was not costume. This was like just their regular street clothes based upon this yeah. story. It's like one of the punk rockers was my girlfriend long since gone. One was my hair cutter. We're still friends, but the hair is since gone. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Kind of amazing. Anyway, that's I the kind that of one. I was there too stuff that I, I, I don't know. You and I have always talked about doing, but. It is the better part of that annoying the the annoying internet movie database effect which is everybody and their dog comes out of the woodwork and goes i was in that uncredited yeah. it's like uh, well background doctor uncredited you're like oh well, okay sure well no well it galls me because my my background is uh is history so so we call stuff like that like that's uh technically primary sources but you know, unconfirmable primary yeah. sources. So, all the people who were Ewoks <laughs> on Endor in uh, Return of the Jedi, who you're like, yeah. you weren't born in 1984. What? It's the movie version yeah. of I was at Woodstock. Were you? <laughs> were you really? Sure. Woodstock two. No, I'm not even sure you were at Woodstock two. Uh, yeah. But anyways, but, Woodstock uh, but it is good. Yeah. As these people pop up and all that, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's it's it means that there's still room to to go with digging into the background of these movies that we love because so for example you have stuff like um uh the movies that made us so they get access to ghost core and ivan reitman and dan Aykroyd and uh you know some of the people that worked onto it they get in there and that's that's pretty good, and that's also pretty standard. Yeah. Then you get to the Bueno level where they put in over a decade, uh, and they get everybody. But really, what they're getting is, by and large, everybody that's got a credit, and then the people that they talk to that had a credit sometimes hand them off to people that 
that they worked with so they they know that they were on it. Now this is like this this last tier of people that, you know, extras and stuff like that that did not get credited that aren't in the, you know, Buenos movie and stuff like that. There's always there's always one more rock to turn over and and see what you find sort of thing. So I'm down with that. Yeah, I'm I'm to end if it means more photos like behind the scenes photos and stuff that we've never seen, I'm always all for that too cuz that's yeah. the stuff I love. But Yeah. Um well, uh, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about uh, was the Conan O'Brien podcast. Are, do you listen to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend? Is that one that you I do. subscribe to? And I actually listened to the one you talked about oh, a couple the, of days yeah. ago. So the Eugene Levy, uh, Catherine O'Hara one, uh, which I just listened to today, and I want to listen to it again because it's just so damn charming. Uh, yeah, there's a real PR push to uh, max out their sixth and final season of uh, Schitt's Creek. Which I don't, I don't mind either. I mean, nope. uh, half the stuff we're going to talk about tonight is PR push uh, stuff that you know, <laughs> tangentially they, Ghostbusters is mentioned. But yeah, yeah. Well, they um, they made a well two things. One is I was surprised to learn that everybody in that room was surprised to learn that Eugene Levy was in a movie called uh, you know, what is it, Cannibal Cannibal Girls, uh, and they're like. <laughs> And it was porn, and you were filming it on the <laughs> night that we landed on the moon, and there's yeah, this whole... Well, that, yeah, well, that one is cool, but they were surprised by the movie and that he was in it, and I was like, oh, I thought that was well-documented. Like, yeah. it's even referenced in uh, Ghostbusters well, and Andrea too. Martin is so, in it, too. Uh, yeah, so... But, um, but it was... I mean, the, the reason that I wanted to bring it up is because, yeah, uh, Eugene Levy is very... He's like, I owe everything to Ivan Reitman because if I didn't get that first job uh, on his movie, yeah. who the hell knows what I would be doing at this point? Uh, because he had dropped out of school and he didn't have a real job. And um, which is funny, most of them in that era were kind of the same way. Like Rick Moranis was, um, you know, kind of off and running in the world of radio. And if yeah. he hadn't have kind of moved left and managed to land with, because uh, I think SCTV was kind of his his thing, right? He wasn't yeah, one of the, he, he wasn't part of their Godspell. No, crew. he wasn't part of Godspell. Yeah. He wasn't part of, did, he might've gone to second city Toronto. Maybe that's how he got in on it. I don't know. I guess that would make sense. Cause that's where, you know, candy and Flaherty and all those Although, guys pop. Part in. of my head is kind of itching that I seem to recall the stories that he just kind of ran with the crew and he was always at parties and somebody was like, well, what about Rick? Rick's funny sort of thing. So he may not even have been uh, Second City properly. I don't. I, I, I will not swear to that uh, at this point. I'm too tired. And I don't care. Um, <laughs> and also, Martin Short dated everybody. That's what I keep <laughs> learning is that Martin Short hate, uh, dated everybody, and he he's pulled that same gag about people's houses oh, on yeah. pretty much everybody. I've seen your work. Yeah, I, it's like I love this house, and it's so so amazing, but. And then I've seen your work and I'm like, how? So, uh, he's <laughs> he did the same like thing a, to Steve Martin. Uh, Steve Martin. Their, yeah. Uh, and somebody else was saying he did it too. Like, uh, he just, yeah, it's a fave of his. So those are his go-to jokes. Go-to um, jokes. But, uh, yeah. So go, go listen. I, I know it's probably not, uh, proper protocol to be like, Hey, welcome to our podcast. Go listen go to somebody else. Pro- Although to be fair, we've done it a few times and we stand on it because, uh, we only really do it when it's really good. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, Conan, <clears throat> Conan's, I, I've enjoyed every episode and I know that some people either love or hate, uh, Mr. O'Brien, but uh, I, I, I enjoy him. I love him. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good all, show. All of his interviews have been really great so far. Actually, um, 
uh, uh, Andy's uh, podcast. It's <laughs> you. <laughs> you can tell uh, there's. You can kind of see how. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, Conan Co. Coco. Oh yeah, Con- Conico. I think. Conico. It's, yeah, yeah. Con-con. Team Coco. Yeah. Uh, Team Coco. You can kind of see over the last few years how they just they literally put their heads down and they kind of work very hard to figure out you know what are untapped opportunities and how do we so you know as the the rise of the jimmies and the classic late night they went what if we just did a you know tight half hour that sort of thing right like they just they've been and one of the early things they were doing is what if we do little bits and then put them up online almost immediately as special stuff and then this last i think it's been basically a year uh andy richter and um conan both went out and started up podcasts under the banner of uh of you know team coco and and andy's is pretty good too andy's is andy's three questions is, with or something three like questions. that right yeah yeah the premise is i mean the premises are all the same it's just a prompt to get talking with people and andy's is just you know uh three questions uh where'd you come from where are you now and where are you going which is that's pretty good it gets people talking and the last one the most recent one is maria bamford oh man i love maria bamford that's a really good one and just again, it's just interesting to listen to Maria Bamford and fight because <laughs> they answer, where are you from? Where are you? <laughs> really interesting answers. Uh, with um, her, I can imagine. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, that was a good. I, I was looking at your rundown here. Your, uh, we, our patch is in the Ghost Core, uh, the new. Yeah. So that was the other question. So Ghost Core yeah. got a couple new cases and they put patches up, and I, I didn't see Larry King in there, and I was like, bottom oh, maybe right. Well, for starters, you go up to like second top left, uh, and if you look, there's a teeny tiny little proton charging. That was one of the first uh, patches. The that... the logo on fire one. The yeah hell bent uh, logo. Yeah. yeah, and then if you go down to the bottom right, you'll find the more recent big version. And then if you look a little up from it, uh, there's a there's a Larry. Hey, all right, we made it. Sorry, We're there. not Larry Moogly. Moog. <laughs> Not Larry King. Not Larry King. For all intents and purposes, that is not Larry King. That is not Larry King. To his radio program (laughs) that may be listening, that is not Larry King. Um, Although it occurred to me looking at that, like, because I, especially after getting back from FanFest, I got so many patches. I am not a patch on coat kind of guy. Like, you know, the the Joseph is his amazing uh, nerdtastic. Or uh, McKenna Grace. She's got all those like yeah. uh, Calgary patches on her jacket yeah. now. Yeah. I, that's not my thing, mostly because I'm nearly 50. So if I'm not in a bike club, I don't know if I'm allowed to do that stuff and <laughs> still be regarded as not yeah, a twin. Why not? Man, but I'm looking at those those boxes going, man, you know, if I got a couple of those, those would look fantastic on the wall. Yeah, All start cool your own little, like, ghost, ghost core collection yeah. uh, replica. It'll, yeah. it'll not rival it in any way, shape, or form, but that might be a good way to, to show them off. So. I mean, good good on Ghost Core for continuing to uh, put those proudly on display in their conference room because uh, I know it's like every time they put one new case up, they're like, I still, I, I talked to Eric and he's got like a hundred more patches and he's got to get like yeah. five more cases. And his, the, the fault in his system is every time he they put more up and they take a picture of it, all it does is cause a whole bunch of t- other people to go, oh, I got to send a, a minute, patch I in. I send my patch in. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got um, a pile. But, uh, well, hey, so we're going to talk about Ghostbusters Year One, Issue One, uh, a great follow-up to our Eric Burnham uh, interview last week. Uh, it's going to be spoiler-filled discussion, so I want to make sure we have time for it uh, at the end. 
Um, but there's plenty of news, uh, plenty to talk about, including uh, pointing people to some other pe- <laughs> other podcasts later in the show here. Uh, so I feel like we should, let's just do it. Let's jump into it. Here we go. Hey guys, Peter, I have some news from the world of Gozer. I got some pretty cool stuff cooking up over here if you want to turn your head. Multiplanar curly and emanation. Now, well, here's your next month's cover of GQ. Check out the aura on this sucker. Well, uh, Chris, last week in your final thoughts in the, uh, yeah. in the Eric Burnham uh, episode, you mentioned uh, wanting to spend a little time talking about uh, an, another person who has passed. And speaking of the Conan O'Brien podcast, go listen to Eric Idle's uh, 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 interview with Conan to uh, remember the, the, the Python folks and Terry Jones who uh, just learned past as we listen to this. I feel like every week now we're talking about people that we learned have passed away just before we uh, recorded. But yeah. Um, but I wanted to to give some time to Gunnar Ferdinandson. Am I saying that right? Ferdinandson. 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 Yeah. Um, who, uh, well, two weeks ago now, as you listen to this, uh, unfortunately passed away and was involved in both of the original Ghostbusters films among. Yep. The 300 other movies that you love. Um, and I actually, it's not that huge of a list because, um, what little I can f- could find him on all that, he, uh, his filmmaking in Hollywood is confined to X amount of time, but he started, you know, back home in Europe. And I, th- given his age, I think a lot of the stuff he worked on, um, uh, some of the, are you still there? Yep, still here. Yeah. Weird. Did you I had a call me? from no a call from Tunisia came in and I wasn't sure if it was interfering with. <laughs> uh, it's the location <laughs> scout for Star Wars and they're That's lost. Right. Uh, Would you like to buy some Star Wars sand? <laughs> yes, please. Um, <laughs> you were saying looking he, at his credits because well, he's one of those people that didn't really get credit because he was a mold maker. Uh, he didn't get credit at the best of times, which means he's probably all over the map in Hollywood. Sure. Just, not credited and two a, a chunk of the like a big chunk of his body of work is back in europe from the you know the the 50s and 60s and i don't think and nobody's talked about this but it, it was only occurred to me as i was looking into gunner's history so like internet movie database is not as comprehensive as we'd like to yeah. think in some ways there's a like especially when you, the older you get and the further back, like, or the further away from Hollywood you get, holes start to appear because, um, again, it requires somebody to stand up and, and at that point and, and drop it in. But, but yeah, but his list that he is credited on is ooh, some 80s gold. Um, well, I mean, the thing, uh, yeah, the thing, uh, explorers, Robocop, uh, total recall, th- three Robocops, um, but basically, yeah, his thing is, is mold making, which means if you saw a practical puppet or makeup effect in any of these movies that he worked on, uh, Gunner was probably involved in making it happen. And man, like the ones in, so Robocop, he was on the second one. It was, he's listed as Ro- <laughs> uh, Rob Bottin's Robo Team. Yeah. Which he means worked a lot I'm with th- Rob Bottin, who I yeah. mean is uh, sort of one of those legendary uh, makeup people. Yeah. Um, so I think that was mostly suit, but I think on the first one, he's uh, in, somebody will have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's in on the, uh, uh, what's his name? The melting man effect in the first one. 
Oh, the the toxic waste guy. The toxic yeah. waste, yeah. Um, the thing. So all those crazy, which is a, that's the funny part. Like I, the more I read about it, the more I, I like. I need more information, please, because it's a well known fact that Rob Botine uh, got the thing and had these crazy ideas. But at that point, he mostly he was running on uh, insane talent. And, uh, and naivete <laughs> rather than experience. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that came out of, of, of the thing, when you watch the making of it kind of came together cause they managed to make some of it work on the spot. Like yeah. some of it, they were like, I think that'll work. And then they had to kind of work around something, but you know, there's Gunner who again is, <sighs> let's see, given the age of the guys, given the age of Gunner, he had 15 to 20 years on, on some of these guys, right? Like he was, he was the seasoned vet in amongst a lot of these, you know, upstarts sort of thing. And so Rob Bodine, who gets a lot of, you know, rightfully so, gets a lot of uh, huge accolades for, for the stuff on the thing. You know, there's Gunner helping him make it yeah. happen, right? So It's like the, he he was somebody who should have been on the, um, the, the Gilbert Gottfried podcast because he worked with anybody and everybody. You, yeah. You, you know, Rob Bottine you're talking about, but I think his first credit, if I remember right, was one of Carl Gottlieb's movies who, you know... Uh, uh, wrote the jerk with Steve Martin and wrote uh, yeah. Jaws and um, it's it's just he's one of those people who kind of like Zelig uh, is is in the background of all of your favorite movies uh, from the eighties into the early nineties uh, yeah and 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 sadly sometimes got credited sometimes didn't and uh, probably punched punched the clock and collected his paycheck and then went on to the next gig and probably loved doing it uh, as a lot of these guys that yeah. sculpt and make molds and and they just enjoy enjoy the work yeah it also shows this is the other thing i came to realize was that you watch a lot of movies and you think you think to yourself you're looking at this period from this you know 60s early 70s and then a, a switch happens and you assume it's probably some you know guild stuff and all that but the credits go from the you know, the 30 names at, they were so short. Sometimes they run them at the beginning of the movie, uh, to a, a switch happens at the end of the movies. And all of a sudden in the late seventies and eighties, you know, you have the crawl. There's so many names. You got to yeah. run them at the end of the movie in a crawl. And we, we think, yay. And then you, you, <laughs> you, you hear about stuff like this and you realize, oh man, those lists could conceivably be as you know as big as some of more modern movies. It's just that so many people these days, everybody is is on that right. Like if you legit worked on it, you're in there somewhere in the credits. Whereas back then, yeah, <laughs> who who's the lead of the effects team? Fine, you're in there. Yeah. Team, no. And then a credit that says, "And thanks to the entire ILM effects crew." And that's yeah, it, right. You know. It's like that's yeah. it. It's like oh, so. Uh, but you know, it's. Boo. Again, getting to to talk about him in a retrospective uh, way like this uh, just really shows the impact that he had. And then I just watched a documentary on the the inception of the Power Glove, and they say that they were inspired by the design in RoboCop. So the things that sort of yeah. that the, the molds on the RoboCop armor uh, then inspired other things in pop culture that you love so much, like the Power Glove. It's uh, it, 
it, it's it's inspiring. Um, so uh, s- certainly a big loss uh, that that Gunner is is gone, and uh, yep. hopefully, I mean, this is just our sort of rambling uh, way to to honor him. But uh, go go check out, go watch the thing, go watch a movie that mm-hmm. uh, you love, and and look at it through a different lens now that you know that uh, somebody that also worked on Ghostbusters and and something else that you uh, enjoy so much. I'm absolutely going to do that because I. Um one of my holiday presents was the yeah. really pretty steel book. You got that steel book. Yeah, from Shout Factory. So I'm going to do that. Well, so uh, so let's move on. Let's talk about uh, some afterlife stuff. Obviously, things going on on that front, um, and I do want to get into uh, to year one. But so on on the afterlife uh, news, maybe we can talk about the first news item, which is about an unrealized version of Ghostbusters three, which we will someday somehow get in. <laughs> get an idea of all of those scripts and all of those story ideas that uh, never made it to fruition before Ghostbusters Afterlife. But uh, Lee Eisenberg, who uh, wrote with Gene Stupnitsky, uh, their Ghostbusters script, which got so close to being made, it was the one that we knew that Harold uh, Ramis had had a hand in and they were all excited to do. And that was about the time that Harold got sick, uh, that the things, things stalled out for that reason, but also... In a Hollywood Reporter article, uh, you know, Lee is talking about his show, um, uh, Little America, which is is doing really well. And uh, the the question is like, you know, do you have a script in your drawer that you uh, wish would have gotten made? And uh, and he has an answer. And then the interviewer goes, "Are you sure it's not Ghostbusters three? Because it was a pointed question, and that's the answer that they wanted." And uh, they kind of <laughs> bring it back to that. But uh, he does mention that. Uh, you know, they, they worked on it for four years. It got so far down the road. They, they had kicked the can to the point where it, uh, was just waiting on a green light contingent upon Bill Murray saying, okay, sure, I'll do it. And, uh, and he doesn't think Bill Murray ever read it. Maybe it's that draft that we, uh, notoriously hear that Bill Murray shredded, uh, or something. I, who knows, but, uh, that's, that's where their version, uh, stalled out, but, uh, it was a really great article. I go check it out. It's in the Hollywood reporter. I learned, uh, that he and Gene Stupnitsky met each other while they were interns working on bedazzled, uh, which was very funny to me because I worked in the exact same office on the Fox lot, uh, that the two of them worked on and I worked on that same copy machine that he, uh, calls out making a bunch of copies of scripts on and having to page check those. So it was like, Oh, Oh, Wow. I'm a failure. These guys are, they wrote episodes of the office and year one and, oh man, what did I do wrong? But, uh, but anyway, nothing. Nah, I don't know. That's another podcast. Troy's therapy <coughs> session coming soon to a ear hole near you. Um, but, uh, yeah, go, go give that one a listen. Uh, the Finn Wolfhard, uh, Smodcast. Did you get a chance to listen to that? Chris, I, I haven't been able to, uh, no, I have not. It's so Kevin Smith's modcast has been causing issues uh, on yeah, iOS, I had, and I had the same trouble. I couldn't, I could not get it, and uh, yeah, just didn't have the time or energy to yeah, try to it's, find the like, workaround. I, so. I love listening to uh, uh, Fat Man Beyond, the one he does with Mark Bernard, and I can't get it to play. And so yeah. I know it's it's such a lousy excuse to be like I can't listen to it because it doesn't play, but that's how I listen to him in my car, and. If I don't get I to do that, then yeah. that it kind of came down to ten minutes of chatting about it, and Finn is um, circumspect as he needs to be, and the big takeaway that everybody walked away with is the uh, the trailer 
uh, didn't show the big stuff, to which everybody went, eee! And I went, yeah, of <laughs> well, course, because yeah. we're like a million months out still. Um, and and so, knowing how close they're playing stuff to the vest, uh, of course they're not going to show all the big stuff. No. Um, but uh, and, and Finn reiterates <laughs> what we've heard, that they're going to be doing a lot of practical effects and how cool it was yeah. to be on set to actually see things, and it's not a whole lot of CGI. And um, It is but, super exciting that if he's like, oh, no, there's... You know, they haven't revealed the big stuff, and we're like, you showed us the car. <laughs> like, like, we were pretty excited. So if that wasn't a big thing, you know, what what uh, haven't we seen? Yeah, yet? what's so. bigger than that? And, you know, I mean, Finn is no stranger to with, uh, I mean, no pun intended, with Stranger Things uh, doing three seasons of having to tease what's in those uh, episodes without saying anything or revealing yeah. anything. He He knows now how to kind of dance around these questions and... He succeeds where Tom Holland fails. <laughs> he should teach Tom Holland a thing or two. Um, but uh, because there was also that uh, Entertainment Tonight, uh, I think they asked him, do you get to wear a proton pack in this movie? And he kind of sits on it for a second and whispers in uh, his co-star's ear of, uh, you know, like, is is this something that I can reveal? And, and he says, no, that's too big. I can't talk about that, uh, which I... <laughs> <laughs> it's like it was probably a yes or no answer but he wanted to build up the suspense and and tease it a little bit good for you finn uh but uh so if you have the means if you can get it to work on your ios app uh, go listen to a uh, kevin smith's modcast with uh, finn wolfhard well, i don't know uh, all right let's get into it yeah all right i was on the fence chris i love listening to the wheels turn uh across a a, a voice over ip line <laughs> Well, here's here's why I kind of stalled out on that one because uh, our good friend Chad Paulson of Ghostbusters uh, Net tagged us in a post about this, and uh, it sure brought people out of the woodwork again. It really helped exercise the mute button. Uh, hey, oh, I didn't know that you were out there. Let me mute you too. Yeah, I was over and done with this before he even did that because about two days prior, I just retweeted the. Um was it Fandom Magazine or something like that? I yeah, yeah. I mean, so or was it Vulture or so? I don't know. Sarah with a V, uh, I think, or an F. It was. Oh, it was. I think it was like a Vox.com or I, anyway. So Paul Anyways. Paul Feig was at the TCAs, um, doing one of their in-depth, you know, f- filmmaker creator uh, interviews. And uh, Ghostbusters again, as we mentioned with McKenna Grace, came up, and uh, Paul. Paul talked about how he would love to see his his Ghostbusters uh, carry on and and possibly become part of like a, a crossover event that happens down the line, uh, a, another film yeah. that, that sort of blends the multiverse together. Um, seemingly a harmless comment, and and I would rather kind of just stick to you and my thoughts on that if we'd <laughs> like to see that. Rather than all of the, you know, the dust that that kicked up uh, from uh, four years ago now at this point. Uh, I mean, I'll I'll read his exact quote because uh, I I think basically he was asked, would you like to see, you know, knowing that Jason Reitman has a new film coming out that sort of disregards your film and goes back to the original canon, would you like to see your Ghostbusters appear on screen again? And uh, he says... What's so great is that in the comic book world, they've done a lot of crossover ones where there's like an interdimensional rip and our team joins up with the original Ghostbusters. So the fact that that's already been laid and made comic book canon, anything could happen. So who knows? I would love to see that team come back. We had so much fun making that movie for whatever controversy it caused. The fact that so many kids love that and we won the Nickelodeon Best Movie of the Year award that year makes me very happy. Uh, I mean... 
again, it's a very harmless comment. Yeah, I'd love to see my Ghostbusters appear. This, like, I wanted to talk about, do you think any of the actors would want to be involved again? Do you think that's even on the table? Do you think... Uh, um, it's... If it's going to happen, it's going to be... It's years and years out. I... I uh, and I think we have talked about this before. And I think there's a... a the bulk of them probably wouldn't come back. I... Yeah, I, maybe I think, one or two of them at the most would be my guess. Yeah. Uh, and But I think under the right circumstances, like uh, there's one or two characters that you could, you could uh, convince the actresses to come back. Um... I think the thing that I took away from this more than anything is, <laughs> and this may be a good way to, to, to shut down the haters who just refuse to stop. I had a guy who was like, you brought it up. Like, I was like, why are we arguing about this? He's like, cause you won't stop bringing it up. I was like, well, it's a Ghostbusters <laughs> thing. Like we, that's what, that's what we do. That's what we I, do. Yeah. But I, it's, it's like, gentlemen, you're being played at this point. <laughs> And frankly, I fully endorse it. Like, but uh, what happens now is Paul Feig will go someplace, and he'll be like, "I got a new thing," and they're like, "Tell us about the new thing," and he's like, "Here it is." And like, great. And because we want clicks, Ghostbusters, and he yeah, says, "Give us something here's, about Ghostbusters." Here's yeah. my line about Ghostbusters. And they go, "We're gonna run it as well as mention your thing," and he's like, "I know you are." Thanks. Because all parties involved know that it's going to stir up whatever, you know. It's going to get, like, that one quote he made got handed around, as usual, to, like, 20 or 30 high to mid-level entertainment sites. And I don't know how many other next step down frothing at the mouth. Like, it's just... (laughs) I think I think he's clued in that he's he knows how to judo this thing. It's like if you're not going to stop talking about me, yeah, and, I might and as well he use it to pronou- can get the you know from from all of the aggregates that yeah. come out of the woodwork because there's the movie blogs that have to fill fill yeah. the quotas. Um, yeah, it'll yeah. It just so frankly at this point I don't care what people think about it. I'm now sitting at the position of right now like is it happening tomorrow no is it happening next year nope within the next five years no within the next 10 years and even then i start to go eh, maybe, maybe. I, I feel like there's a better so, chance of it becoming part of like the comic book i mean he even calls out the yeah, comic books like they've done this I in, know, the, in right? the comics uh so i'm sitting here going who the hell cares then, right? Like it is the, the 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 point by which I go it may possibly happen is so far out from here. Who cares? Who's got the energy, right? Uh, yeah. Like just and and and, th- and it's already I mean uh, going back to our interview with Eric last week, uh it's already happened in crossing over. I mean yeah. th- these characters have interacted with each other uh before. And to so. be to be fair, even Reitman himself has made noises about maybe there's a, you know, we'd like to stitch it all together and who knows that at that point that's just you know that's just smart filmmaker you know smart producer 101 cover all your bases right <laughs> like, yeah, if totally. it doesn't happen nobody will remember and if it happens they're gonna go holy cow he caught look at dan Aykroyd. dan Aykroyd. <laughs> dan Aykroyd. uh a year this past november went Ghostbusters movie. And then in January, they announced the new movie and they went, oh, Dan Aykroyd was talking about it. You know, he didn't say anything about it. He literally just said, you're now attributing 
to him doing the thing he's been doing for 30 yeah. years, which is say Ghostbusters over and over, and you, you've interpreted it as some sort of genius prediction. It's like, <laughs> and not only is it not a prediction, because he's in on the production, so he knows, like, it's just, so I'm just, I, I don't know. Perspective needs to be maintained. I like, I just, the people that just want to argue about it, it's, I just don't get it you get nothing from it well let's 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 draw it back in let's talk about just us because i love talking about us obviously Uh, Uh, let's bring it back to me that's that's how the sure let's put it back to you my last point is that the people who are arguing about this at a certain point this far out from it it's no longer about paul feig or that movie this is about you yeah (laughs) yeah exactly why are you so angry What are you so angry about that this is your outlet? Yeah. Anyway, so Uh, do you. You do you. Well, I was going to say, bring it it back to you and I. I mean, is this something that, because my personal feeling, and I think this is, I I may be even actually stealing your words here, is it's like, it's it's more Ghostbuster stories. I don't care. I want to see as much as I possibly can. Yes. If, if they if they intermingle the characters in the films, awesome. If it's in the animated films, awesome. If it's in the yeah. comic books, great. I, I just want good stories told. Uh, and and yes, I mean whatever your thoughts on on answer the call are, um, it's it, it just it gives yeah. more more toys to play with in this sandbox for people like Eric Burnham or Jason Reitman or yeah. whoever it may be. We sit in we sit in this this thing now where we look at Marvel and DC, and they are promoting their products and characters across umpteen different formats, and they're not all linked together, right? Like they're or or at best when DC they start attributing Earth numbers to their unconnected worlds, and then everybody in the head goes, yeah, it's a shared. Ver-. They never cross over anything, but they're happy to just pretend that yeah. they're sitting next door to one another. Then you get to Ghostbusters where. We've done two. They did two movies. They did the car, two cartoons. Uh, they put out the 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 paperback there at the turn of the millennium. Yeah, the uh, return. Yeah, the return, which is completely not connected to anything prior to it and all that. And everybody just keeps going with it. Oh, what is with my phone today? <laughs> you getting another call from Tanisha? <laughs> no, just like an alarm went off or something. I have no idea what the hell just happened. I love um, it. Oh, I see. I set an alarm to so I wouldn't sleep through our podcast. And oh, that's probably a good. For, yeah, I mean, heaven. Yeah, for, well, we're, we're thirty minutes in. If you fell asleep now, we're in some deep shit now. Yeah, it's, well, I probably should have said it for you know fifteen minutes before <laughs> the show rather than forty five minutes in. But um, but at the end of the day, it's like we have all that, and we're happy, right? Like the book came along, that return. Everybody went oh, more. You know what I mean? The yeah. comics came along. Everybody's like, yay! And then they did this movie that's unconnected. Everybody, bleh. It's like, oh, God. Uh, I mean, Just it, let them it, yeah. do another. St- Let's put it this way. We live in a world with that, what is it, Ninja Batman? All bets <laughs> that's are off. True. Okay? That's like, tr- you I mean, cannot get any weirder or farther afield from the Batman movies and, and cartoons that we have out there. And guess what? The world didn't end and it was kind of fun to watch. Did it ruin all the, ba- did it ruin the Batman movie we loved? No. Whichever Batman movie that is, cause there's a bunch of them and they're not connected. Like it's just, uh, yeah. I don't. If, uh, if you don't love DC superhero girls, you'll probably love uh, suicide squad. And if you don't love suicide squad, you'll probably love uh, birds of prey. I it- forgot. We had, we had the one, remember the, the, the Ghostbusters uh, manga book, yeah, yeah, that uh, Titan or whoever put out, and that was f- 
four, five, or six short stories by different artists that just ran with the idea of Ghostbusters. Like they just, they some of them got real close to the movies and others just went left. And we were like, this is great. And actually, I remember the time too, people were like, I kind of like that one. I didn't like these ones. That's how it should be. Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> you, I, I, you got oh, a selection yes. of Ghostbusters stuff and you liked some of it and didn't like some of it, they'll say la vie. I feel like that you, More. you hit it right on the head there, 100%, because we have hit such a critical... Uh, there's so much mass consumption happening now that if you don't like uh, The Last Jedi because it is so vastly different from all the other Star Wars movies, just wait, because Rise of Skywalker is going to come out and it's going to give you everything that's fan service that you wanted. Uh, Answer Ugh. the Call came out. You didn't like it because it was totally different. Don't worry because Ghostbusters Afterlife is coming around the corner and it's going to give you that stuff that you were looking for. It's yeah the, I, the 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 lack of patience that people have at this point which is kind of funny because we're just really being spoiled by anything and everything uh it's it's just you know yeah in, i don't enjoy know that, what you're being given and if you don't like it just wait because something might be something right around the that you might enjoy yeah. or throw a fit and <laughs> you don't get more and then what you yes. just sit around, like and everybody I, I talks about I'm, how toxic it is, and then it just I'm goes not away. a big fan of this push to like. I'm not a fan of pop culture going so super tribal, like I don't know sports or something like that. Right? the The idea that you you love football so much that you can't watch it unless it's your team, right? And, and when it confuses when me to know it, way, you you call for the head of the head coach, uh, just, fire the head coach, and fire yeah. the head coach, and the other yeah. guys cheat it, and I'm just, and then I'm going to go on Twitter and yell at the. It's just like what, like that serves no purpose whatsoever. Yeah. I, I guess it sells tickets for sports, but what the hell is it doing for us? Nothing really. Oh, it's confusing man. the issue more yeah. than anything. Yeah. Here we are. So, we're getting in. We're down. We're down <laughs> the tracks that I didn't want us to be uh, trudging through. But well, um, I had a beer that tasted like chocolate, and I'm angry about it. So I'm just gonna. <laughs> just I'm just gonna vent here. Tell Granville Island how much you hated that Granville beer. Granville Island, blah blah blah. And um, yeah, I don't know. At the end of the day, like I said, if there's anything for people to take away, it's um, <laughs> it's like keep 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 going on about how much you hate uh, Paul Feig and his movie because frankly at this point he he knows exactly how to make it work for him so uh, yeah there's no such going. thing as bad publicity and he he knows that uh, he's he's doing what he can but um, yeah well and every and the yeah like this time what was the angle <gasps> there's a new Ghostbusters movie that's not yours do you want to say something about it yes I do because you're going to mention my new thing Thanks. I was going to I need you to talk about Last Christmas <laughs> now on Blu-ray and DVD um, exactly right yeah, so, so and, and I think the at this show because he's got a new TV show he's producing. He's, I mean, he's got a he's ton. producing a lot, yeah. but yeah, he's yeah. he's if he's not directing something, he's producing something on TV. Um, and he's a man who knows how to both, at this point, uh, uh, respond and connect with and retweet and you know enjoy yeah. the people who are like you know bring back Joel McHale's Talk Soup or Joel McHale's the Joel McHale Show I guess yeah. is technically what uh, it is or you know uh, a Neil Pert who passed away hey tell us about Freaks and Geeks and his uh, influence on on that show and uh, yeah. he's more he's, than happy to do that uh, everybody that works so. in film and television knows how to to do that sort of thing with the, the positive fans and it takes a bit of headspace and a solid a bit of therapy, but some people also figure out how to do it with the negative stuff too. And that's what Paul's yeah. got. And uh, well, so good, just good for Paul for figuring out ways to sort of uh, duck, <laughs> duck and dodge. 
Um, but all right, Rate. so here's what I want to do. I want to get into um, the, the Ghostbusters year one chat, uh, but it's going to be spoiler filled. So before we bid adieu to anybody who wants to remain spoiler free for the rest of the podcast, uh, go pick up this issue because it is wonderful. It's uh, the the story, the art, the everything about it is fantastic. It's getting excellent reviews. Um, so, uh, even if you are not in the U S you don't have access to your local comic book shop, go to the IDW app, uh, grab, grab issue one, however you possibly can, uh, short of, uh, you know, don't pirate it. Don't, uh, buy it off of, uh, eBay or something, but, uh, go, go pick it up and then come back and listen to, uh, Chris and I talk about it, uh, because it's, uh, it's a lot of fun and it's really funny because talking to Eric without having, uh, read the book last week, uh, now I'm really kicking myself because we talked about things and I'm like, Oh, now I want to talk about that with him. Why did we, Anyway, we'll get Eric back on the on the show and talk about those things. So, here we go. Let's talk spoilers. Ghostbusters, year one, number one, issue number one, January 2020. I'm stalling because if you are trying to remain spoiler-free, this is your absolute last time to go. Time to chance. go listen to uh, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Go listen to the Eugene Levy, uh, Catherine Eugene Levy episode. Eugene Levy and Catherine yeah. yep. Um So, Chris, uh, this mm. issue... <sighs> I, I don't know where to start. I, I feel like the, the place that I want to start now is because we talked to Eric last week about, hey, do you want to do more prose novels and uh, things things of that nature? And then in this issue, he so brilliantly tees up that Rebecca Morales is writing a book based upon the in-world uh, exploits of the Ghostbusters and what happened in 1984. And, he's, and she's going and interviewing everybody um, to... Uh, uh, Reggie Vell Johnson's uh, guard character, who, to my knowledge, has not been named until this issue of this book. Is that true? Yeah. He might have in the novelization. Oh, oh, that's a good point. All right. Well, uh, I, I, but again, it's like, you know, o- Officer Tim Carlson is, is how he's uh, called out. Uh, <laughs> I always just kind of hoped that he was Al Powell and he had, had moved to Los Possibly. Angeles with his Although wife. Although, wasn't but, Carl his uh, name in. Uh... And he was, uh, yeah. And he was Carl Winslow in uh, family matters. Yeah. Yeah, So, so. um, so, you know, uh, but just one of those things where it's a trope to have the biographer who's coming in to interview people, obviously it shows up in, uh, citizen ghost, which was a play on citizen Kane, which uh, just, it's such it's a good storytelling device. And I'm so glad that Eric did it this way because it, it allows so many people to be involved as opposed to just doing a flashback or just showing like a little, excerpt of a story um we can be in the the modern era and be looking back on things and they can also kind of do these montage type of things where we see lewis tully and dana barrett and uh the the first issue is crammed full of everybody even though it's winston centric um but uh so that's that's my takeaway is i want rebecca morales's uh (laughs) give give me that novel (laughs) I want to see that IDW. Let let Eric write whatever uh, he can. Yeah, well, he did it twice because not only did he he kind of build the structure of the series that would allow for her book to get published at some point. He also had Egon make mention of a if he ever gets around to finishing and or writing a uh, new employee manual. Right. right. Uh, These things are common in, in former he, graveyards. Yeah. He'd, he'd include that. And it's like, and I read that and went, that's Eric. 
That's that's him backdoor piloting <laughs> that's, that's in a comic. That's job security for... right there, Eric Burnham. I get you. <laughs> he's and well, you know, it'd be a nice. It'd be, you know, he's the Tobin Spirit Guide, and then you know got uh, Morales's book, and then we've got yeah the uh, the. I mean, I don't think we've had him. There's the the that uh, that licensed um, new employee kit. Doc, doc. Yeah, there was the Doctor Collector kit. Doctor yeah, Collector, just came thank out you. Recently, yeah. and that had a little book thing in it that that kind of was here's your guide to getting going, uh, and then nothing until all the way back to somewhere's between the movie and real Ghostbusters. They put out that little the kids book, which yeah, you know, the had little the, storybook um, that had the uh, the certificate, you know, to, and it was kind of presented as a how to be a Ghostbuster for kids. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then, uh, the, those two <laughs> punks that wrote uh, that book about the Ecto. In there. What the hell yeah. is that? But yeah, we got all these, these loosely in-universe books. It'd be kind of, you know, it'd be nice to add a couple more. Actually, I think, frankly, there's probably an endless amount of in-universe books that you could do that I, I think we'd all be happy to, to, to pick up and buy. Um, yeah. Like I said, that was my initial takeaway. That was not my initial takeaway. I had a lot more takeaways. I'm, what, yeah, what, what was I'm your I'm a complex person there? with a very advanced brain that can consider many things at once while reading it. But I, my, the one thing that I got a good laugh out of, and because there's, um, it's a solid book, it's got some good funny to it, but it is not a wacky book. And, and it's a very once he gets into the story of his first bus, it's very, it's a very straightforward. It's the thing you and I complain that I shouldn't say complaints. The thing you and I noticed that as the series went on, we were getting less and less of, which was straight up simple busts. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where this went back to was a, just a straight up simple bust, uh, as seen through the, you know, the, the three guys weren't that, you know, super adept at it yet. And, you know, Winston had, this is his first go, so it was... And it happens right after they're in the containment unit talking about the big Twinkie. Uh, yeah. Because it's, he, Eric very um, cleverly gives you these landmarks in the timeline so that you know exactly yeah. when and where this is happening. Uh, his training exactly. occurs right after they're in the basement talking about the big Twinkie. They go up on the roof and he's yeah. you know, he walks, target he, shooting with pumpkins. He walks in... Um, uh, he does the interview with Janine and they actually overlap it with the scene from the, the movie back to the interview to which he reveals uh, uh, the the trap. Like he was like within 30 minutes coming through the door, they were showing me how to empty a trap. Right. That's And that's the thing that's, again, this solidifies what we always assume because in the movie – Ray hands him, you know, you know, here you go, welcome aboard, and he, they go off to do other things, and then it's back to smoking and talking about the Twinkie, and uh, the movie kind of plays fast and loose with the the time and all that sort of thing. But yeah, essentially, in the filming uh, continuity, he went from his interview to downstairs to empty the trap to Egon or not Ray showing him how to do it to then Egon talking about, you know, something weird's going on and talking about the Twinkie, which Eric then takes it up to the roof for his initial, well, here's how a, a proton pack works thing. Yeah. And then and two th days later you see this, uh, the Edgar Allan Poe bust, uh, and that was his, his first capture. Yeah. It's, it was like, a, it was really nice. And it, it's reaffirmed some of the stuff we already knew about where the characters, you know, background is supposed to be and all that. Um, 
<laughs> I did like that suddenly presented with the fact that he had a military background, but somehow ended up working for the Ghostbusters. Eric's solution was, yeah, I did my time and discharged out and then I tried construction and that was hazardous. So I went <laughs> elsewhere. Unsafe. And, and, and very rightly so, uh, Morales says, you know, uh, I'm sorry, you left a construction job that was too hazardous to go bust ghosts with nuclear weapons? Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that that's the kind of stuff. It was such a, a clever way of building in how did Winston get from point A to point Z uh, without doing the whole, like, I was born in Detroit, Michigan. And I mean, it's like... Eric even calls out what he, what traps he could fall into from a storytelling perspective yeah. of going all the way back and telling all of this backstory with Winston, where here's, here's what you need to know right now, uh, to, to bring you up to speed. And yeah. yeah and, and does that so well with, uh, the structure of kind of doing this parallel side story stuff, which I'm always a sucker for, um, and, and filling in some gaps, uh, you know, with, all, all of the things that we know from the first movie kind of filling in some of those details. Uh, the Sedgwick hotel manager, uh, again, going back to, uh, our, our, uh, jail security guard played by Reggie Vell Johnson. I don't think that, uh, what is it? Uh, Ben, uh, Bennett Davis. I don't think he's ever been named until, uh, this, this particular book either. So it's like, here's, here's all the tiny details that us as fans are going to love. Yeah. But at the same time, it's serving as a book for those who love the first movie. They can read this and go like, oh, I remember that guy. I remember this. I, you know, it's, it's kind of jogging. It's hitting all of those nostalgia buttons that are going to kind of prep you to see Ghostbusters Afterlife. It's all very yeah. clever. I, I'm, I feel like a lesser <clears throat> writer reading this. That's basically what I take away from this. It, it'll feel really comfortable to, to hardcore fans because he's done a lot of stuff in the story that... Um, uh, is stuff that we've all kind of as a group filled in the gaps and agreed upon, like unspoken stuff that just made sense and we kind of ran with it. So, uh, you know, it makes sense that a trained Marine handed a proton pack would go, well, this is a dangerous weapon. And Ray goes, not a weapon, a tool. It's, yeah. it's something that's never really talked about other than, you know, we had the tools. Again, a nice a reference to Winston will say the line, we had the tools, we had the talent. You know, there's that link to it's a tool. Yeah. But it covers the fact that a Marine would not initially regard this as anything other than, you know, a lightning gun. Uh, what was the other one? Um, the throwaway with uh, Venkman prepping him on it's always harder than it looks and we don't haggle like he's just he's giving him the rundown on how to deal with getting <laughs> yeah, exactly. the, handing off the bill even the easy ones don't let him know that it was easy because that brings down the bottom line yeah <laughs> I, then, loved, uh, I love that line he in that one page helped set up again stuff that we just in, intuitively have all, you know internalized about the other three uh you know venkman a bit of a carny that sort of thing a salesman uh um what was the the one egon super smart but a super dry wit well i mean that's again that's something we just always knew right egon's stuff in the movie is just you know it's like desert dry yeah exactly and then um and then the joke about you know the thing about uh, if ray didn't write it wasn't the one that wrote that that ad and the interview questions (laughs) i you know i'd bet i'd bet a paycheck on it sort of thing uh and and very nicely kind of he's like he's one one part uh, Venkman, one part Egon, with a whole heaping of just excited about everything paranormal. Over enthusiasm, right? yeah, yeah. 
and I, it's it's weird because we're how many you know a decade plus in now and um, uh, on the series, and this is something that almost feels like normally it would have been done right at the beginning, but we just jumped in because we already knew the Ghostbusters. But since he's now filling in blanks, he actually gets to. Uh, I'm going to say extemporize, extemporize. That is not the right word, but I'm glad I pulled it out of thin air and I'm going to use it. He extemporized the, uh, you know, all this stuff about the Ghostbusters that we just took for granted, right? So Yeah. And I think it also shows the amount of trust uh, that came up uh, last week with Eric is just, I, I do remember a time where I, I know that there's stipulations where you can never show Dana Barrett, you can never show Lewis Tully. Uh, there were, they kind of had these, guardrails around them when they were working on the IDW books uh, for whatever reason. It was probably the same guardrails that were in place with real Ghostbusters. Like, don't do this, don't do that, and it will kind of set this apart from the movies, and then it won't you know, force us to do something down the line uh, that we, we don't want to talk about in, in the stories. Yeah. But, you know, right off the bat, he's he's got Lewis Tully. He's got Dana Barrett. He's playing with all of these different characters and filling in this backstory um, where it's Eric is getting the chance to do that, but then also Dan and the art, uh, you know, uh, like Eric called out last week, that big reveal for, um, for Edgar Allan Poe, the ghost where he's like, I saw that, that page and I thought, Oh my God, Dan, that's amazing. And the artwork is fantastic, but they're also really trusting Dan and the art to be telling some backstory here too. We're seeing, uh, Lewis, uh, either moving out or moving back into 55 central park West. I'm, I'm kind of, <laughs> I don't know. Like there's a big, uh, like police tape around it that says under construction. And so I don't know if he's taking his stuff out or if he's foolishly moving back into Spook yeah. central. That's kind of funny. Where did you think this whole thing landed in the continuity of the comics? Uh, with, with Rebecca, with her showing up yeah. to do the book. I took it to be like right after the events in 84, but before Ghostbusters 2, because the deputy mayor uh, is sort of holding this bottom line that this didn't happen. And so they're kind of setting up as to why the Ghostbusters went out of business in the second movie. Um, Yeah. Dana, I think just based upon the kind of landmarks that we're getting from her is she's still kind of traumatized by things. She doesn't really want to talk about it with the, with the author. Um, that was my kind of takeaway. Did you, did you feel the same way or did you feel differently? No, not really. That was kind of, I had a moment of doubt when they, she was talking about the big things that just happened. The trouble is, is that, uh, no, it's not trouble. It's just that um, it's funny. We might be noticing in the comics the thing that we talked about, which was the styles from the '84 movie. I say compared to the styles in the you know '89 movie, way more understated and in line with what people kind of wear right now. <laughs> so oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going through this thing, going because the other thing remember is um, the mayor. That's not Lenny. Like who's that? Uh, well, it was the it was the deputy mayor, right? Like, is it yeah, the let deputy me, mayor? Let me flip back. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. It's Daniel Nash who's the deputy mayor, and he says uh, the current position of the mayor's office is that the Ghostbusters were involved with some kind of event. 
but we will yeah. no longer further comment, and I don't care what the archbishop said, you know, because... But now, but now I feel old, because it's like, well, where did that guy... Because you're right, like, he interviews... Um, the, the cardinal could be the cardinal for decades, but uh, Carlson at the hmm. prison, or, you know, as a police officer, I guess he could do that for, you know, his career as well, but typically, you know officers try to move up so it's kind of weird that he so that makes sense but at the same time i'm like now what am i not remembering from the rest of the books that account for this deputy mayor that i mean maybe he they've done so many books i'm forgetting things now i don't (laughs) like it i I feel like he's sort of a precursor to hardemeyer that was my takeaway from it was that he's like he's the uh the michael j fox character in spin city who's working for lenny yeah, but he's he's named, which means are we going to see him again? Did we see oh, him? Maybe. Move? You know, if there's ever a time where we need Michael Tanaka, this is it. This is it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but I think that's the kind of nice thing that these these four issues can do as well as sort of bridge Ghostbusters to Ghostbusters too. Uh, why did the yep. Ghostbusters go out of business? Well, here we're seeing that the government had a <sighs> yes. firm stance that this was not an event that we're going to talk about, and the Ghostbusters, whatever their involvement was. We're not going to highlight. We have no comment on that. You, you know, maybe what we're staring at is a setup for the return of the character in one of the next three books that, as you say, accounts for, uh, you know, the deputy mayor or because um, Hardemeyer wasn't deputy mayor. He, he, what was Hardemeyer's? Was he like chief of staff? What was he, his official he, position? Do we something know? Something like that. Yeah. He, yeah. We kind of do. And I can't remember right now. But he was like he was just sort of like he was kind of in charge of of you know his reelection campaign and stuff like that if I recall yeah, correctly. Well, that outside the TV sh- uh, uh, soundstage, he says, "I'm the mayor's uh, uh, my Ghostbusters two uh, photographic memory is failing me now." Yeah, but but again, maybe maybe we didn't see him before, and but he is now established as a character that will come up in one of the next three books. Yeah, or if only. Or- if only we could go back in time and ask Eric. I <laughs> know exactly. Well, he was gracious enough to say that he would come back. So we can so bring him go. back up because that I almost wonder too, if this is like the deputy mayor is operating without Lenny knowing this is kind of one of those, like the agent and the manager is doing things that the uh, talent does not know. Uh, yeah. So, so much like when Lenny later says, get me this, somebody get me the ghostbusters. I had them committed. You what? I wonder if the deputy mayor here is burying the Ghostbusters and Lenny has no, because he's working on policy or, or something that he's trying to implement within the city of New York, uh, that he doesn't care about the Ghostbuster status, but, uh, and then they go out of business and he just thinks that it was bad business. They weren't keeping their books right or whatever they were doing wrong. Uh, sorry, Ghostbusters. But, um, yeah, I, again, I, I'm sorry to keep taking stuff away from Winston because this is really his issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Winston looks at the trap and Egon looked at the trap. Like the the little nuances throughout the entirety of the yeah. book, that's just really what I focused in on. Whereas I would usually be focusing on every little thing in the background trying to see what uh, Dapper Dan had been hiding. Uh, the, the nuance in the story is what I really fixated on this time. Um, what else stood out to you? Anything... The Edgar Allan Poe, uh, you know, his ghost being in New York City, I thought that was handled really well. Yeah, that one, well, 
again, if you're listening and you haven't been spoiled by stuff till now, you're you got nothing to uh, oh, true. Nobody yeah. to blame for yourself. But th- it it feels like Poe's going to come back. I think that well, again, yeah. Might I mean, be you see that, one of the the ravens uh, on the window, yeah. or is that just sort of a, a wink and a nod to Raven? Uh, you know, to to an Edgar Allan Poe story uh, where it's. Uh, just the kind of twist ending, um, but it could. But I, I also like they even say like he, they, you know, you know, and we took care of the this one ghost and uh, Poe as well. And they're like, well, no, Poe got away. Like remember, Poe flew off, yeah. but but Poe's not at the school anymore, which is what we get paid for. So hooray! So I think Poe's still out there. I think Poe will come back. Um, yeah, it was nice. <laughs> Poe was really creepy, actually. Um, I, I. I I'd like to see more of the Poe ghost, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that was one of those, like it it could have made for a really good half hour story of why, why is Poe's ghost, uh, here? And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, Ray kind of just fills in what we need there saying that this, this hall has been haunted by the ghost of Edgar Allan Poe, but, you know, there is, if all the books are set around the first year, who knows? We the part, It could be a running thread through the uh, uh, the whole thing uh, that that Poe is, 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 is like a thread that runs through all four books. We don't know. Yeah. Um, oh, oh start, I just thought, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was about to say, like, the cover for the second book is, uh, includes Ray and the library ghost, but, you know, Poe and the library, not exactly crazy pants yeah it could could factor in there as well who knows maybe pose ghost is some sort of yeah right yeah <laughs> let's not speak out ideas clearly with our mouth holes <laughs> let's just pretend people understand what we're talking about let us think that people understand us <laughs> hmm? uh, um i'm th- looking at uh the cover for the third issue which is peter that has Slimer on it. So again, that doesn't deviate from, uh, so it could possibly be that within this first year of Ghostbusters, um, they'll all tell a little tale and yeah, who knows the Poe thing, maybe Poe runs a thread through it. I, I you know what? Podcast bet. Poe comes back. Edgar Allan Poe will return. Edgar Allan Poe will return. They did a James Bond style at the end of the issue. Uh, that's right. Uh, the other, I, in the middle of your thought, I had this epiphany. I, uh, you know, uh, Peter Venkman is quoting, uh, Poe, uh, poetry, uh, in, in the issue. And I think it's kind of a funny, you know, we all assume that Peter didn't study and is, uh, not well read. Uh, and, and here yeah. he is, you know, quoting, quoth the Raven. Um, uh, you know, just little stuff like that. Uh, I I felt like it was worth pointing that out. I didn't mean to do it right in the middle of your thought because no, that's, no, that's just how rude I am. But <laughs> it wasn't Peter the one too that said he's? Uh, oh no, it's the students that said he was reciting uh, Poe's ghost was reciting reciting bad poetry. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. Um, and they need him expelled before so they can actually get work done yeah yeah the poe bit where uh winston runs into him like from behind and the head twists around it just does drive home the idea that once we get clear of afterlife and all that i i feel like we need some ghostbuster movies that move slightly towards some you know some bloom house kind of 
horror and Winston with comedies. alludes to that totally the nightmares yeah. that he can't talk about for public consumption um yeah i i i just i i want i i think that would be a big thing right now i think yeah start with horror with some good cuz to be honest horror movies some of the bigger horror movies of the last 20 years have been you know big horror and then got some real good comedy in there as well so but that's a but as a backup cuz uh what was uh Stephen King's thing the beats for for horror movie scares are the same as um comedy so yeah yeah you got to have that rising tension and then release um, yeah we so. need more of that we need we need we need more uh, spooky ghost busts yeah and and I think I mean I always I'm one of those people that doesn't think that dark and gritty and spooky is always the best way to go with anything and everything because I know everybody wants their uh you know uh, dark Vigo the Carpathian origin story and it's like well, I don't know that that's the right thing for yeah, ghostbusters but I think I think how do I put this? When you're a 10-year-old and you somehow manage to go see the original Ghostbusters, that library ghost, it scares the hell out of them, right? They're screaming and running away yeah, and all that. It scares the hell out of you. Of real Ghostbusters, totally. Yeah. yeah. When when you get to our age, though, and you're watching it, it's just funny to us, right? Like, the ghost is not scaring us. We're just laughing that they're scared sort of thing. I don't want gritty and I don't want gory, but I think there's there's still more than enough space for something that gets the, you know, the, the, the goosebumps on the back of your, you know, the, the hair on the back of your neck to stand up sort of thing. Uh, And, you know, uh, being scared of what's in the shadows, uh, and not necessarily jump scares, but just really rising, uh, Uh, jump scares are the worst, but yeah, things that are creepy. There's, there's room for creepy that like, it's hard to make us freak out the older you get unfortunately but there's still a lot of room for stuff to happen in a movie where you just go that's yeah, unsettling and, and nerve exactly yeah i want um, i want that and then at the end of it somebody tells a real good joke because that's and who knows we may you know the way they keep talking it up we may be getting some of that in the new movie like i it was sounds, gonna say i kind of i mean you you drew the line that i was actually thinking of too is uh in the trailer you get that sort of yeah. Uh, hey, remember that summer we died under a table? I feel like that is the the joke uh that that sort of tension release that's going to be uh in in Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah. So um, But I've I've strayed us away from the comic. I it is this is the first comic in a while that I have that complaint that I used to have uh is that it's over and done with too quickly. Like it feels like a real quick read, not in a bad way or anything, but I want more. <laughs> And it's it's over, and I'm like, ah, yeah, I gotta uh, wait. It's I yeah, I feel like we we have had that conversation with the IDW books before, where it's like 22 pages is just not enough. You get to the no, digital no. ash can. Uh, that's how I read it uh, today, and <laughs> yeah. you're like, oh, I want more. Just give me more. give me a postscript, give me a tag, give me a, a peacock file, give me something, Eric. But yeah, um, well, I'm kind of hoping that you know, as things move ahead and all that, maybe IDW. Um, Maybe maybe there's room now to to dabble into the realm of uh, give us a graphic novel like a a, yeah. a big a big story in one go and so instead of well, here's twenty two pages at at six you know well here it's five fifty I don't know what it is for you guys down there three three ninety nine yeah that's ugh. our yeah dumb American money but anyways <laughs> um, instead of you know giving us four books at what so what did you say three fifty so twelve thirty fourteen. Oh, yeah, 14 bucks. Instead of that, like, 
give us four or five books worth crammed, you know, one story yeah. into one thing and do the, put the 25 bucks. Like yeah, I do, the I do $30 that. price point. Yeah. And if, 30, I mean, that's, hey, too much. 25. that's the way to do the prequel for, for afterlife or, Ooh, a, yeah, there you go. Uh, or, or even, you know, the postscript to afterlife, uh, when it comes out. Um, yeah. but, I, I think, and I think that's a mistake a lot of other things have made where they're like, and here's the, you know, here's the 25 page single issue thing that covers, you know, a little bit before the movie you went and saw. I was like, that's not enough. Yeah. Give us something yeah. meaty. Um, so yeah, uh, for those of you that tend to collect the, the, you don't get the individuals, you get the collections when they come out, you're in for a humdinger with year one, I think, because we just read the first one and... <sighs> going to be well, a long four months uh, i'm just yeah, saying exactly waiting another uh, month for the next issue but um so so one last question uh, that mm-hmm. i wanted to discuss because i'm a gadget uh, hound for ghostbusters that's what i love about the property is all the yes. gear uh egon alludes to the fact that he <laughs> added in a, a vibration that allows uh, the user of a pke meter to know you know when they were honing in on something and getting close to it uh that, yeah. that sort of tactile uh, haptic feedback um, but then he says, don't push these two buttons at the same time. Uh, what do we think that, because Winston is like, will I get electrocuted? And Egon says, yeah, let's go with that. What do we I think that, happens with that? Does it I explode? Thought, I, I thought that was a, a joke to the, the Maddie PKE meters. Cause that's, they have the two contact points right by your thumb. Oh, was, I could be wrong, but that was what I took away from it was. I did this thing and, but there's these two buttons. Don't press it. Um, I don't know. That's funny. Uh, yeah. Cause I think if you put like, if you push the two buttons on the front of the Maddie PKE down, that's when it switched from GB one to GB two mode or something like that. I, uh, I can't yeah. remember now. I, um, it feels, it feels like there's something there that I, I didn't want to read into too much because it also, not only did it suggest the, the, the Maddie PKE meters, it also was kind of reminiscent of the, um, uh, the games, um, because when you use the PK meters there, the, the controller rumbled, right? Right. Right. So you're uh, running around with the PK meter and it rumbles to let you know, you know, he said the arms go up, but it also, you know, gives you a, this, you know, the vibration for, you know, haptic feedback and all that. It's like, well, that's exactly what the video that's what happens in the game. Yeah. And so, it's also setting up for Winston that this, this is dangerous equipment that they're using. Uh, kind of going back to your point about these being tools and not weapons. Yeah. But at the same time, Winston gets kind of clued in that maybe it's not stable. Maybe they're just working with <laughs> well, prototypes that are untested. Well, exactly. Right. There's also that little bit too, you know, there's the, we're still just sort of putting this stuff together. So it, <laughs> There's, it's kind of like, what is it? Parks and Rec. Uh, you have an exposed wire over your shower head. Yeah. Shock wire. <laughs> Cause if you touch it, you die. Like it's just, there's, there's again, and this was in the setup about Egon's dry humor that you had to learn. Right. It's like, what, what happens? You get electrocuted. Yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah. Um, shock wire. Uh, totally. You'll just be electrocuted. Sure. <laughs> that's the ticket. Um, but uh, all right, well, uh, I want to I want to hear people's theories. What happens when you push both of the buttons on the PKE meter? Uh, what do we What do we think Egon has tested and knows will happen? Uh, that's 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 our crowd uh, generated <laughs> content for the week. Is <laughs> what happens to that PKE meter when you push both buttons? I pushed the two buttons. <laughs> what happened? What happens? A, a sign came up that said, "Don't do that again." 
Go to page uh, 168 to find 168. out. 168. Ooh, yes. <gasps> there we go. We need some choose your own adventures real Please. quick. Please. Please. You're not going to do a TV show with other Ghostbusters teams. Give us some choose your yeah, own adventures with Ghostbusters teams. All right, we're pitching that. Let's let's end the podcast. Let's go pitch that to uh, Sony Publishing Absolutely. right now. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters. I'm sorry, we'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our calling line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702-GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page and Twitter accounts. Print is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. I just want to get back close again. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Once again, our call in line is 4702 GBHQIC. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. Well, Chris, uh, hopefully nobody noticed, but we had a few technical difficulties in the middle of that show. Uh, I had a technical. Let's be fair. My phone uh, hated me Hopefully unnoticeable to people out there uh, listening, (laughs) but... uh, Hopefully not pull your hair out for you. Um, No, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. We're going to... I have a feeling we're going to do some editorial on this episode anyway, but um, uh, what do you got in terms of uh, final thoughts? Final thoughts for the week chastising you about calling uh, my idea a cinematic universe <laughs> these are tv shows man come on everything's a cinematic everything's I a cinematic blame universe. marvel the mcu for the, the terminology <laughs> there um yeah that, that one's on the back burner now i'm playing a new game call uh called uh watch uh for um uh see how badly you can see james garner's limp in the rockford files um <laughs> he 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 busted up his knee and from the second season on you can literally see him like walking and favoring one leg oh, and sometimes he has to he has to run so he's trying and you can kind of tell it's not great for him and then has to he has to come to a stop at the car so but he ends up doing like one of those leg favoring skips and then and then it cuts to he has to run up a hill and that's not James Gardner that's a stuntman uh, well, you know, who's being paid to run up a, hill. a different time I, I remember I vividly remember watching the Fall Guy as a kid and I was like he's a stuntman is he gonna be okay he gonna be okay by the way uh, stunt the Fall Guy can be referenced in my television universe but he is not a PI. He is not a PI. He's uh, allowed he to will come drive in, the though. truck, and that's he's all allowed to come in. Do you know why he's allowed to come in? Because he is closer to a PI than like Kojak is. Do you, do you remember why? Do you remember the Fall Guy? Huh? Uh, what was, was his job? F- Other than stuntman, how was he making his extra cash? Ah, he was you know a, a side investigator, basically, wasn't he? N- he was a bounty hunter. Bounty hunter, that which was it, is yeah. which kind of overlaps with the world of private investigator, but uh, and he filmed on the Universal Studios backlot. So I maintain that your cinematic universe is based upon the fact that they were filming in Universal City, California. Yeah, That's, you know what? That may go back to last week's episode where remember I mentioned watching something and it had Casey Kasem as a Columbo impersonator. I yeah. think it was an episode of the Fall Guy that I saw on YouTube. Uh, but and the, also, I'm. I'm pretty sure Columbo is a Universal uh, backlot show too. 
That's yeah. the the golden age of Universal Studios, man. I, I I wish that they could go back to that where hey, I'm gonna go see uh, Battlestar Galactica, Columbo, and Murder She Wrote. They're all on the back lot, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, Ghostbusters my, podcast. What? I have an official final thought. Okay. Um, I think we're gonna. I'm, I'm going to. I'm gonna pull a, a summon the hive mind thing here. So, for people who to to set it all up, first movie, walking down the hall of the Sedgwick, and there's that television clip you can hear coming through a door somewhere. <laughs> the one we still the, have not been able. Ivan Reitman himself does not know. Doesn't what Doesn't remember. Is. Yeah. And there's the the line. If so, then we. It's very short, but. Uh, people have had suspicions, and um, Alex Newell, uh, newborn. So I, yeah, I Alex have, newborn. I'm yeah. getting an Alan. I'm getting an Alan. I know. And anyways, Alex <laughs> newborn. I'm very tired, and I'm still mad at that stupid chocolate beer. Anyways, um, he um, he suggested that he thinks it it sounds like Ricardo Montalban. Right. Right. Ricardo Montalban at the time in 84 was in the coming up to the end of the run of Fantasy Island which was a Columbia Pictures uh, television show. So it makes a certain amount of sense that you know they're putting together a Columbia movie and they need a bit of television and so they went royalty free for them. Sure. Yes. So there is some uh, Alex has got it down to he thinks it's one of the later seasons. We the suspicion is that it's after uh, uh, Tattoo goes away and the guy who played Mr. Belvedere takes over. Oh right, God, the, I forgot about that. Yeah, here, yeah. Here's here's the trouble. Fantasy Island is nowhere to be found. You can buy the second and third DVDs. You can kind of hunt them down and. <sighs> But it's just like, you know, there was a time where I knew if I went to a convention, I could find the guy with video cassettes or DVDs, uh, you know, self-burned DVDs of rare television pilots and stuff. And if you went to him and said, I need Fantasy Island, he, he could help yeah. you out. Here you go. And Here's every disc. Yeah. That died because the world went, oh, it's a BitTorrent thing now. But it's not as easy as all that. So what I'm kind of throwing out there is... Uh, the new movie, speaking of uh, Bloomhouse, the new Fantasy Island movie's coming out. Conceivably, all of a sudden, all this stuff may dump to, you know, the later seasons may finally dump to a streaming service, but I'm impatient, and it's been 35 years, so <laughs> if anybody, you know, has, and, uh, and you know, don't say YouTube and stuff like that. YouTube has a couple of episodes, and yeah, so but far not none a of them. Have, yeah, and not only that, Seven is the hard season. Seven is the 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 guy I can't remember the actor's name. You know, plays Mr. Belvedere, who on a different show, but he's he's you know the he took over for Tattoo uh, in the the end of Fantasy Island. Um, that's season seven. So I don't I don't know if anybody has any suggestions, or they have it, or somebody's like a TV fiend themselves, and and had you know can share copies with it i think it's i think it's time to try and put this one to bed yeah honestly. let's figure let's figure that out that's that's one i know that has been uh it it's tasks you it tasks you it it tasks us because <laughs> it's something that it's existed um in it's a mystery to us since the thing hit home video really 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah, other things came up later. You know, Ron Jeremy wasn't uh, didn't wasn't a thing until Panets. You know, the the widescreen VHSs came out and all that. Some mysteries and some things we found for uh, tracking down locations. You know, really didn't open up until you know the DVDs came along and we had widescreen with a certain amount of resolution to it that we could kind of stare at and. You know, the internet was around to yeah. to help us go. But that one, like, you could hear it. You, We could always hear it. It was so tantalizingly close to, I can kind of hear what he's saying. <laughs> Who someday, is that? What's going on? Someday Chris Stewart will figure out what it is, and he needs your help. So no, I, I, it's not about me figuring out at this point. Like <laughs> I said, Alex has done more more to run it down than I did. I, I spent a lot of time uh, running down... Um, uh, like by character name on Intermovie Database because I thought it was a, like a, a a movie like thing from another world or something like that like I, I was yeah. watching so many old movies black and white movies uh, is this it is this it is this it? is it? but it, it's just shots in the dark and then he went it sounds it sounds like Ricardo Montalban and then click you're like oh my god it is and then like I say once you start staring at it you realize oh because of course he was the biggest thing on TV in 19, one of the biggest things on TV, and well, by that point, probably going downhill, but you know, the Fantasy Island was in the, a huge part of the zeitgeist on television right then. Uh, the production companies were, were uh, the same. Like, it's just like, oh, that really is not a shot in the dark anymore. That makes there's, there's an argument to be made there that's fairly solid. The trick yeah. is, is all we have to do is just brute force our way through two or three seasons of Fantasy Island. <laughs> And Somebody I do take it for the team. Yeah. Well, yeah, these are the end of the Fantasy Island, so it, it will be a bit of a slog. Um, but yeah, it's just like, why? Let's just, uh, let's just nail it down, right? Like, yeah, let's do it. I mean, uh, so if anybody knows how to find season seven of, of uh, let's start there, Fantasy Island. Yeah. Let's, let's start do with this. small steps. Small steps. Uh, I, in the meantime, will always remember the, the face that Ivan Reitman made when you uh, <laughs> asked him that question. And you can go back to our 100th episode and, and you can hear it in the audio when you ask that question. And Ivan goes, there was audio in that hallway? There was audio in the hallway? <laughs> like, uh, and it was at that point yeah. I said to myself... I should see if I could entice fans uh, to just randomly yeah, hug him. Exactly. Because nah, he'd that's, find that's, no, that's where it all began. That's, that's where it started. That was from. not. It. I'm jo- I'm joking. <laughs> Don't uh, and one last final thought: extemporize. I was very close. Extemporize is to to do a thing without preparation, uh, uh, which is not what Eric no, did. No, that's Eric, not what Eric, Eric does. Eric made a thing, but he prepped very very contemporize? hard. Contemporize. I don't know. Ex- yeah, I can't. What were you going for there? I'll have to figure that out. Contempt. It was close. It felt yeah. right, so I went with it. And that's frankly, fine. You can't make me change it. Meh. That's what so. we do here. For, from here on out, we don't d- claim uh, any responsibility for any of the words that we say on this here podcast. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right, everybody. Uh, well, Mr. Stewart, go write your tweet to Granville Island Brewery. Uh, let them know how you feel about that beer. And uh, everybody else, we'll see you all on the other side. Who you gonna call? Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional CrossRip. Visit us at ProtonCharging.com, GhostbustersHQ.net, and StillPlayingWithToys.net. That used to be one of my two favorite shows. Anything you're doing is bad. I just want to let you know that. We'd like to get a sample of your brain tissue. Next week, though, Careless Pets. We're so cool.